Hello, and welcome to Everything Remade, a podcast that I hope is about growth as much as it is about music. I'm Sean Decker, and I'd like you to hear something. You're hearing Sweep Tornado Forward by Our Future is an Absolute Shadow, featuring my friend Jesse Mowry on bass and guitar. Jesse is a multi-instrumentalist in multi-projects, so let's hear more about that. to Nashville during winter? Yeah. Oh, you had that mm-hmm. wrong, didn't you? <laughs> Going from Texas to Nashville. Or are you a fan yeah. of like are you a fan of cold weather? Oh no. No, no not had, really. <laughs> yeah, like, you had, had that kind of backwards. Uh but so your yeah. sister must have been a lot older than you, right? Yeah, she's seventeen years older than me. Oh, okay. 
Um, so she kind of was more of like a mother figure after my mom left. Yeah, it's. I mean, it sounds like she had a really with your cousin. So she you know, had like a sound like you you had like a real brotherly situation with with your cousin that you know moved in and everything. Yeah, because I was, I think, six years older than him. No, it's a little more. It's well, like that's not eight. cousin. That you're. You're, you're his, his my uncle. nephew. Yeah, yeah. That's weird too. Yeah. It's like I have a I have an uncle that's like a year younger than me as well. So I I'm familiar with that like you know <laughs> sort of like unusual situation as well. Um, yeah. So you were you were living in Texas and coming back to like write songs with the band and see family and stuff. Um, mm-hmm. But I like. By the time I met you, which is obviously, you know, probably much, much, much later, uh, you were back in in Nashville. So what what brought you back to for good? Um, well, after the second winter break that I visited, like during that time, like um, we like recorded an album and I played my first show ever and went back and uh and Galveston, Texas was where I was living, which is like an island. And it's just like a tourist trap and not really much to do there and no little to no music scene, at least at the time. Mm-hmm. And um, so I like went back to Texas and I was just like, what am I doing here? Like, I can't do what I want to do. Um, so I just wanted to play music. Mm-hmm. And, uh, so I talked to my mom about it and I went and moved, uh, back to Nashville to live with my sister, um, until I graduated high school. Um, well, no, no, no. At first I moved back and lived with my drummer and his parents for the first semester of, uh, my last year of high school and then the second semester I lived with my sister. Okay. Um, which is thinking back on it. It's a very strange situation. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That sounds cool though. Um, so you, going back to, you know, you said your both your parents were singer songwriters. Uh, what, what instruments did they play primarily? You said there was instruments around all the time. Were they multi-instrumentalists, each of them or, more one than the other? Or? Um, my mom was mostly a guitar player and a singer. She had an amazing voice. And then my dad, um, like his, he played a lot of things. His first instrument was accordion. Um, but he played uh, guitar. Like we had uh, a bunch of like keyboards and synths and drums and random percussion all around the house. Um, so you're just kind of into trying out a lot of different things. Yeah. Yeah. You said um that you couldn't you couldn't deny that he he had an influence on how you play music and, and write songs. Like what uh what did you mean by that? Um, well, um one thing he told me when I first started playing music, um so I first started playing trombone in fifth grade and then picked up the guitar when I was 12. And he told me, like, no matter what I do, 
what kind of music I play, like, always trying to have my own voice. Like, I always wanted to sound like me and not try and, like, copy anybody. Um, and then also he was, uh, I don't know, he had, like, labels in the past try to get, um, do some of his songs with, like, I think, like, Al Green was one of them and, like, some other, like, really random people. But he, they, they always wanted to change something and he didn't want them to do that. Like, he was always, like, it had to be my way. And, um, and while if he had done it with them, it probably would have helped a little bit of not living in poverty, but... Yeah, and, um, and I mean, at the same time, he was stuck by his gun, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I do, I do respect that uh, for sure. And but, like you were saying, you know, there was other things to consider, maybe, and also like the amount of opportunities that that could have opened up are kind of undeniable. I mean, it's just, mm-hmm. it's a matter of, you know, I mean, it's, it's a matter of like. Uh, lots of different factors, I guess, you know, whether someone, like, if you wrote this song and it's for, like, it's for you and for no one else, you know, really, then, like, I could definitely see being, like, super possessive over the minutia, you know, the details and and whatnot, you know. Um, But, yeah, it's kind of... It's kind of weird, like once you start collaborating with so many different people, like as you as you have, you know, you you definitely start seeing things from other angles and being like, maybe like, well, why wouldn't why wouldn't you just give up this one thing and just use that thing for something else later? You know, like, yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, so you really loved that chorus and they wanted to change that chorus. Well, you, you know, there's nothing stopping you from just you know, transplanting these ideas into something else. And, uh, but yeah, I mean, you know, that this is all just, I mean, I even am like, it would depend on what the project was, you know, and my attachment Mm -hmm. to things and, you know, but yeah, that's a really, um, that's a really like, there's a lot of, there's a lot of people I find that are like that, that are like really diehard. And then there's a lot of people that are more flexible and, um, you know, I don't think there's like a wrong or a right, but, um, I do think it's really interesting when you think about these things, like in hindsight, you know, like I had, yeah, I had some friends that like, uh, had this band, for like two or three months, you know, and that was it. And then they uh, booked a, a studio time with someone that produced like that band, like the stereo or whatever, you know. And and so they had this like like producer, basically like I heard the songs like as they were like demos, and then I heard like the final songs, and it was like those songs are not that like you can tell it's the same song, but they're not that it, it changed a lot, you know? And, um, yeah, yeah, I mean, (laughs) 
sometimes it's like, yeah, I don't think so. Uh, but, uh, but yeah. Um, have you ever been in a situation like that where, where, I mean, maybe it was just another band member or something, but where the, the ideal of, of what was happening was so different that you're just like, nah, I can't. Um, no, not really. Surprisingly. Yeah. I mean, anymore, it's like, I, I, you know, I'm really just kind of like pretty, pretty laid back, you know, about it. I think, mm-hmm. I think, you know, in the, in the past, like I've been in bands with people that wanted to try something like, oh, now let's try this this way. And it, it would feel really hokey and stuff. And, you know, um, I didn't play with those people for very long, you know, but, um, yeah. Um, so what kind of, um, music was, was, um, playing around your house when you were growing up? Like you said that your dad was almost working with like Al Green. Um, so what kind of, like, what kind of, uh, music were, were your folks listening to? Um, it was kind of all over the place. And, um, like, well, my dad also, um, was in, like, Michigan in the late 60s around, like, when, like, the NC5 and Stooges were happening and stuff. So, mm-hmm. had some of that. I would have, like, like, different world music, Zydeco, old, like, classic rock and roll, um, you know, 80s new wave. Um, yeah, it's kind of all over the place. And that, that was kind of like what, uh, instilled my like want to like constantly try and find more music because there's just so much out there that you can take influence from. Yeah. Did you feel like, did you feel like there was something, there's like always something kind of like just beyond what you know, like that, that's like, you're going to find something that's like more extreme and, and, and blow your mind like all over again. Um, I mean, things keep surprising me. So, yeah. yeah. And like also just finding out more and more just how big the world is and how much that, I, I mean, like living in the U.S., you might really hear about, U.S. music, and but you know there, there's so much stuff out there in every country of every kind of genre, and uh, I don't know. I just want to find out about it and a lot of stuff, and also like the history of it. Like I love seeing how music evolves through like themes or just general genre timelines and such. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So when did you start like um exploring um music like discovering music by yourself and and what did that look like was it like record stores or you know mostly like internet um so i guess the first like when i started listening to stuff outside of my parents uh what they listened to was just from the radio and listening to like Blink-182 and such. Like, and, uh, 
this late nineties. And then that led me, uh, to like, my dad was just like, Oh, you think this is punk? And then showed me old punk, like Ramones and, uh, television, CDs and all that. Um, but anything, then I started reading about a lot of stuff and, uh, we had this big Rolling Stone dictionary of bands and in it I read about Black Flag and one day I was at a record store and found a Black Flag CD and bought it and took it home and my dad told me to turn it off and I was like, okay, I'm on to something. <laughs> Wait, um, what now? <laughs> what, which one was it? Uh, everything went black. Okay, and you're... Your dad just hated it, like. Yeah, anything like more extreme than like old school punk, he just hated. That's wild. Um, and then also like my sister, she, she was into like the Pixies and Social Distortion. They might be Giants. And then her um, boyfriend at the time listened to a lot of death metal, and. Um, so they both showed me a lot of music, too, and set me on paths to find more stuff in all directions. I feel like I'm, I'm friends with everyone you just talked about in high school. Like, it was like, <laughs> it was totally like, I'd be at my one friend's house, and he would not stop listening to The Cure. And then I'd be at my other friend's house, and he'd be listening to Death. And like, um, uh, what, what's, uh, what's... Was it, or Christian death rather, um, but also like you know, like Venom and uh, and uh, then you know, uh, my other friends like Black Flag, Naked Ray Gun, you know all that all that like um, late eighties stuff, you know, or mid eighties, mm -hmm. whatever. Yeah, it's a very it's a very like. Um, I guess like you know around around that time was like a super like interesting like now you can just listen to whatever you want like all the time any style genre whatever you can pick it out from wherever you can find music but you know like a little bit you know before like when like when I was in high school, you know, it was like you just had to have that one like weird specific friend, you know, <laughs> that knew about mm -hmm. like these kinds of bands and uh I don't know. It's very cool. Um so you were playing in bands by the time you uh you were in high school and you said that you played your first show on one of your, your winter breaks back in uh when you came back from Texas. Um what was your what was your first band like and what was that first show like? Um, it was just uh at the time it was just, you know, kind of bad hardcore. Okay. Like, and, uh, what were you shooting like, for? Oh, I mean we were trying to be like black flag and bad brands and stuff, okay. but okay. everyone in the band was younger than me. Like the when we played our first show, 
our singer was 12 and our drummer was 13. Damn, that's, um, that's sick. <laughs> <laughs> and um, so we the show we played was uh, was with this band. I think one of the bands was Stuck Lucky, um, who are still around. And they, they were like, uh, well, they are. Um, I guess like a third wave ska band, but they kind of moved towards more of ska influenced hardcore now. Um, and then with this band, Moral Decay, who were uh, my favorite local band at the time. And um, and they're all like a little slightly older. And uh, so I was just like intimidated by them. But... Uh, eventually became like great friends with them and played in bands with a couple of them. Oh, very good. Um, but uh, so also when we played our show, our other guitar player, he was visiting his dad in Oklahoma, and we didn't have a bass player, so we got we asked our friend who, um, initially was who. Like, I knew him because he was my sister's best friend's son. And he originally asked me to join because their original guitar player was, like, 40 years old. And so they wanted someone closer to their age. But um, but he quit at some point. And then, so we asked him to come play the show with us. And uh, he didn't really learn the songs because he just stayed out skating the whole day that we were supposed to practice. Um, even though me and the drummer just jammed the whole time he was gone. And, uh, so I was trying to like show him, just remind him the songs before each song that we played. And eventually he got frustrated and I guess like felt embarrassed and, uh, just walked off stage in the middle of a song and uh, and then went outside and broke his skateboard because he was mad at himself. And uh, and then we just kept playing. And uh, like we were, I was doing had like solos and stuff. And I felt weird not like doing that with no bass or yeah, other guitar. Drums. Yeah, and. Uh, and so we keep playing, and like, where the so I thought I would figure we would just skip the solo. But my when we were playing, my drummer's just looking at me, just like shaking his head up and down, being like, "Yeah, go for it." <laughs> and I was just like, "Oh, okay." Um, yeah, and, and it just sounded horrible, but it was so much fun at the same time. Yeah, you did have a good time though, despite everything. Oh yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, I mean, it was like. Very nerve-wracking, but at the same time, I was just like, I'm 16, playing my first show, and I don't know. This is like what I want to be doing. Yeah. I just want to be better at it, you know?
That's for sure like one of the most tense sounding first show experiences that I've had anyone tell me on the on the show so far. Uh, but, uh, yeah, the fact that you were just like still so amped about it is awesome. Um, it reminds me of like, not not that this was this band's first show or anything, but there was this band we played with in in uh, um, Phoenix like many years ago. I don't remember what they were called, but like they had um, they had a really 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 great drummer, like really good drummer, but just like the 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 trappings of sometimes drummers that are great being that like they had a rack kit and it had literally like he had like 30 symbols or something like I'm not even <laughs> exaggerating at least two dozen symbols and like he had like rotos and he had like uh he had like six toms like four floor toms he had just the shit right and um he was great he was a really good drummer and i mean he still didn't play all his shit you know nobody like that mm -hmm. has that much shit ever does like in one uh 20 minute set but like the biggest thing was like so they had two guitar players and a bass player and like the bass player was playing out of just like a 12 inch like combo amp which like sometimes a, a bass a 12 inch you know 12, 12 inch combo amp for bass like some of those things will surprise you but this one didn't mm -hmm. you just couldn't hear it <laughs> and uh, the other guitar player was playing like a 50 watt like uh valve state and the one guitar player was playing like something decent and so basically the whole time also you couldn't hear the vocals but basically the whole time all you heard was the drums and this one guitar and you're like okay that's fine but this guy soloed a lot too and so you're just like <laughs> standing there and like luckily like the drummer was like so good that like the drums were like on point with a lot of the solo stuff that was going on like the drums would not just be playing this like solid beat behind this solo it was like accentuating like parts like they had their stuff together but it's just like it was like from a band perspective it was just like this is this is, feels like a mess you know because it's you just yeah. can't, can't hear anything else and you know these other two people over here they're really trying to give it their all and you're like they could not they could not even be playing i swear i can hear like their picks scratching more than their amps like i just can't hear it you know but uh <laughs> yeah, yeah i mean that's funny when you i don't know you just you know you know what it's like you have enough of these experiences and you you have these weird takeaways from certain shows but uh yeah. mm -hmm. um so like uh, you know, assuming from the time you um, started playing music, you know, that was your goal to like to be in a band and and uh, and write your own songs and stuff um, like, uh, you know, what was it what was it like when you're finally writing songs to where you got to like you went ahead and you, you know, recorded songs like um, what was your first experience like recording your own songs? Um, 
Well, that first recording, I had actually, like, they wrote stuff while I was gone, but I brought up two songs with me. And, so you, uh, did, you did a recording in your in that band? Yeah. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, it was, like, we recorded with this guy who runs Battle Tapes in Nashville, and he's... He recorded, like, a lot of people, but he does, like, all analog stuff. So we were doing it in a real, like, you know, pretty cool studio. Um, but, uh, yeah, I had two songs that we learned, and we recorded those. Um, I think I did vocals on both of them, and they're very embarrassing. And... uh And we kept playing those songs still a little bit. Um, so this is, I don't know. It was it was cool that they were receptive to learning the stuff because it was a little darker and weirder than normal hardcore. And uh, and one of them I think was just slow most of the time. Um, because besides that, I was just the lead guitar player. Yeah. Um, Did you take lessons I mean, at all before, before that? No. No? How did you learn, like, um, like lead techniques and stuff? Um, just learning um, other people's songs, basically. Like, I have tried to learn a lot of the solos on the first Stooges album. And then I think what made me understand, uh, like improvising was I learned this lead lick from, uh, who was in my room last night by the Butthole Surfers and played it over a Gang of Four song and in this like noise solo break. So I did it while that was happening and it worked and I don't know, a lot of things clicked and I just started messing around more trying to figure out how to make these sounds with a guitar work. Yeah. That's awesome. I mean, it it's uh you know, I guess it's just it's just taking taking things as they come and picking things out. I would just like learning any other part of any song except, you know, I don't know, it's like leads probably usually just intimidate people because it's coming at you so much faster and it's a shorter period of time that doesn't repeat itself, you know? So it's like, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I mean, I think the, I think the only leads I've ever learned was like, uh, the lead to like bad moon rising. And, uh, <laughs> you know, um, I learned, um, the lead to, uh, to Jesse's Girl by Rick Springfield, uh, and uh, <laughs> and um, it, I learned the lead to Any Way You Want It by Journey. Um, yeah, I <laughs> never I never learned a ton of leads, and and um, yeah, I was wondering, do you think that um, do you think that geography and being from a place that's like really has like a deep like history? Uh, in rock and roll and stuff, do you think that affected the like way that you like listen to music or approach songwriting? Like, do you do you feel like there's 
that this history is like semi built into you? Um, I don't know. Because at a certain point, I just kind of shut out a lot of more mainstream stuff out of my head. Yeah. Partially because of knowing how that so many artists don't write their own songs and such. Mm-hmm. Um, and just the whole uh, the whole way of record labels work because my my dad had to like file songs like uh, publish songs with like BMI so we went or I think it, I think it was ASCAP and uh, so we had to go to the building with him sometimes and just I don't know kind of saw just how much they don't really uh, care about some of the musicians and also. Lost well, another thing is living in Nashville and having those. They feel like they have a um, monopoly on live music and uh, charge people for. But I know they do it everywhere, but it was particularly uh, bad in Nashville where they charge uh, venues because they think uh, that you're playing their songs there, like bands are doing covers and such. And they, they tried to do that to, like, random, like, DIY warehouse spots that we had. The, which the, makes no sense, you know. Wow. Yeah. Did they do that to, while you were, like, uh, operating spaces? They tried that with y'all? Yeah. Wow. And, they're, and they're, their claim is just, like, you have to pay us, like, some some certain amount in fees because we know that you're playing that that bands that play there are playing covers yeah basically oh wow see i've been mm-hmm. I, no i don't remember if you ever mentioned this but i had been i had been um and i can't remember where now but i had been instructed before when like taking on a show you know on a tour or something i had been like told like and if you do any covers you can't do them here you know, or something like that. And, yeah, I've uh, definitely played some places that have, like, no cover signs yeah, there because that's yeah. a way to avoid the fees. Yeah. Uh, now, I, now I know but why. They, they still press those venues, though. Like, they still are trying to, like, get money from them. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, that's why I, I never knew why that would have been, but um, that's really... That's really that really opens up a can of worms. Like number one, so 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 saying the place did pay. Where does who, where does this money that you collected go to? Do you find out exactly whose covers were played? No, you know you know they're just no. like putting it in. Yeah, this goes in the old back pocket there. But um, mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know. That's wild. Um. Right. I yeah. I don't know. I I guess I got on that question because you know, uh, you you're like I'm not saying that people are against solos and stuff, but you're like one of the only people. You're like, yeah, I busted out a solo in this song and stuff, and um, <laughs> just gen- generally in in punk, you know, and stuff. You don't hear that that much, you know, anymore. And I, and I was uh, wondered if if uh, that's like something that like you know if if it was a 
a way that you were like taught guitar or something, or if it was just a personal interest, but it sounds like it was just kind of like part of your learning experience, which is very cool. Um, yeah. Yeah. So how, like skipping ahead, like I guessed, um, probably a bit, um, how, what was the first band that you were in that you were like serious about enough to like start um planning tours and um and making like what you would consider like your first like proper release or whatever um so that band I played my first show with eventually like me and the drummer kept uh, playing together and uh, and event- and we went through like multiple lineups and stuff and eventually um, we changed our name to Dawn and that was that was when we started um, deciding we like did a did a CD and then we started uh, trying to do out of town shows um, but I guess by the time, um, by the time we started playing out, I was also in a couple other bands. Um, one was Kuroshi, which you know, uh-huh. and then there's this other band, Marge, that was like, we wanted to be Fugazi, but failed at it. Um, and all three of those bands were <laughs> playing out uh, out of town and stuff. And uh, and Mars and Grocery actually ended up at first doing more, which I think uh, my drummer and Don was a little jealous about, even though I had nothing to do with the planning. Um, but uh, eventually he got like a van and... Uh, and we did some tours. Um, yeah, I don't know. There's a weird time because yeah. I was playing three bands that played out all the time. And then at one point, I was in seven bands with those three all touring. And yeah, the others all played shows and such. Wow. Um, while I was booking shows at a house venue and a what else I was gonna say how are you how are you making like connections at that point where you, you were bringing bands like to your town so you'd you'd make those connections um so I guess the real um we didn't really have many um touring bands come through at first at least within like the scene of bands that I played with like we just kind of did local shows. And then I remember we played with Realicide from Cincinnati, and um, they had already been touring the Midwest and stuff, and um, told some people to hit us up for shows. And um, it's the first band to do that was Muscle Brain from St. Louis, who became like super close friends and like we toured with them um and that 
because of that, we ended up going to St. Louis and playing there. And, uh, and then also like we used, um, we would use like back in the day with MySpace, you could look up bands by genre and zip code. So we would kind of use that to find bands that were similar enough to play with and kind of plan around, around that. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. We, um, we definitely like back, you know, back in the Achamele days, we, we definitely had, uh, found lots of, uh, pretty cool bands on, on MySpace that way. Just like trying to like book little shows and stuff like that. And, uh, yeah, it's, um, yeah, it's wild. Like, um, I remember that's like how I, uh, initially was became acquainted with Alex Bigman <laughs> is uh oh yeah yeah it's just like tr hitting hitting uh hitting up um hitting up seeing means more about uh west coast uh a chameleon seeing means more uh tour and uh um I mean that tour never happened but uh yeah that's that's how I initially became acquainted with with him and uh and there was some there were some other really cool bands that I got to know a little bit that way, like uh, Allison Ranger um, and uh, Etu Brute. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, and, and stuff like that. Like, used to know some, uh, just chat with chat with people and get to know people. And, uh, and then when it went over from, like, chatting on, f finding people on MySpace and chatting on AIM to when everybody went over to Facebook, I lost lost a, a contact with a lot of folks for at least a while, mm -hmm. you know, no, it's just like trying to figure out like, Oh, how do you, you know, how you find somebody from there on here, you know, or whatever. It's probably super easy to do that. Like, um, now, but it didn't seem like it at the time. Um, yeah, well, I mean, my space kind of like, it, it seems a lot with underground music. And I, I think a lot of people still don't recognize that because like, I just use that to find so many bands, but also like, yeah, it's just like it changed. They they changed it just overnight one day, and it was like just completely unusable for bands. And that that was the only reason I moved to MySpace or Facebook, because mm -hmm. um, I I kind of like just stayed away from it for a while, and then they made MySpace unusable, and I was like, okay. I don't even care to Facebook. But yeah, there's, there's like people and uh, like contacts on there that I like still have in like three games. Like, that's just weird thinking about. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's wild. Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, I don't remember the specifics, but it was just like overnight, it was like, I can't even figure out how to play a song now. It was like, yeah. It, or it didn't work, or, you know, or I don't know. It was really weird.
skipping ahead uh, quite a bit, I guess, again. Um, you live in Richmond now. What was the um, the big push to to move uh, from Nashville to Richmond? Um, well, I played Richmond on tour a couple times uh, before we ever moved here and booked bands from Richmond in Nashville and became good friends with them. Um, but a big... Big push was both, you know, I, I got married to Jazzy, and we both had been living in Nashville like our whole lives besides two years that I was in Texas. And um, so I just wanted to get out. Plus, you know, around that time, um, Nashville, like in all the magazines, was like being declared the new it city. And like, there's a lot of tech companies moving there. And, uh, just like a ton of people moving there. Like I think it like the population doubled in like three or four years or something. Wow. And um and they like just kept building and like were just gentrifying like everywhere. So everything was just getting more expensive and like wages weren't keeping up. So it was kind of becoming hard to uh live there. Yeah. And, um, Richmond was a little cheaper at the time. Um, still is. Nashville's still raising in prices. Um, but yeah, we decided to just move and, you know, start our marriage somewhere else. Yeah. That's awesome. Well, you've had like a lot of, uh, you know, you've had a lot of cool stuff, um, going on since you've been in Richmond. Um, you started like several bands uh right away um uh what um so i guess um you you already had like your your whole band moved to richmond uh the band yeah um van yeah van hagar totally moved together cuz it was just me and my wife and our friend and right. um and so we all just packed everything at U Haul and moved here. Right. Um, but the first, so the first band that you started in Richmond, did you sort of start it before you even got there? No. Um, no. I did talk to Eric from the Catalyst before I moved there about jamming with him on something. And we jammed one time, but then nothing ever worked out. Um, but then the first thing I started was kicking meeting, and I met the guitar player, Angie, at, I think, the first or second show I went to there. Um, or went to while living in Richmond. And... Um, and I was just like, hey, I'll play drums for you. Because um, we just bonded over screen now. And, um, yeah, and nothing was ever planned <laughs> yeah. before. So you were you were getting um you were getting to Richmond around the same time as like um Tom Carney and them, and then you end up playing uh in Majorelle together. Was that mm -hmm. just like Everybody just being like, "Hey, what's up?" Or 
was there more to that? Um, so it was like basically like Swanatinella wasn't like Will and Christian kind of just wanted to do a new thing instead of continuing that band. And they talked to me. Originally, they just wanted me to play bass six because they did want it to be a three piece. So minimal amount of people, minimal amount of struggling to get everyone together. Yeah. Um, because that was a big problem they had with Swan having five members. Um, but, uh, then eventually I just kind of, I think I just like showed up with the guitar and was like, Hey, I wrote stuff to what you wrote and it's cool. So I'm going to play guitar. And, uh, originally Chris Morgan, uh, from Cost and Gift was going to play bass. And then you don't want to play bass. And so we had him just do vocals and brought Tom in. And then Chris was like, you guys are really good. You should just do this without me. Um, and then, yeah, we just kept going. Yeah. Um, so was, so when Christian moved, was going from Majorelle to In Wolf's Clothing, clothing, like kind of, did that feel like a, natural transition like not that they're the same band or anything but just like you had been playing with Tom and then you, you and then you um, kept playing with Tom uh, well it was a little different because Ingle's clothing was um, like Pigeon Meeting eventually became Ingle's clothing because Christian also played bass for Pigeon Meeting oh, okay. and um, so when he moved we had to ask other people and uh, I can't remember if we got Zim or Tom first, but we played, I think it might have been Tom, actually. Um, we played one show as Pigeon Meeting, I believe, with them, and then changed the name to In Wolf's Clothing. Um, yeah, yeah, it was when uh, Moss and Era and Ensign Island first played together. Um, we played with them, and then Tom was like, I don't want to do pigeon meeting, but they need to change the name. And uh, Azim moved here from Charlottesville, and we asked him to play bass, and I'm not even sure how we got the name, but in Wolf's clothing was the best thing we could come up with, basically. <laughs> well, it works. And, you know, the album that y'all put out is great. Um oh. Yeah, I mean, um, I can tell that y'all worked on it really hard. Like, it's really tight, and it sounds great. Um, so so you have tons of stuff going on, uh, and you've had, like, lots of cool bands. You know, Sight Blinder we played with was really cool. Um, you, we already talked about Van Hagar, which is, like, a lot of fun. Um, and, uh, but, um, you know, Apostles of Eris is like one of your main projects that you do with Dave Norman. And, um, uh, but n another one of your projects, which just released like a really good, like full thing, um, is also with David Norman and Adrian, who used to be in Old Slow, Old, Old Soul. Um, that's, uh, Our Future is an Absolute Shadow. Um, how did that project? Uh, come together was that just all like we should do something or um, 
did you have a did you have a history of playing shows with Adrian's bands? Um, yeah, I first I booked Cloud Rat when I lived in Nashville years ago, and then um, only saw him. I uh, hung out with him near the end of his uh, time in uh, Cloud Rat again, and then Old Soul played my house um, before we moved to Richmond. So yeah, we had just kept in touch, and um, he posted something on Facebook that was just like, does anyone want to do either a screamo band or a black metal band? And uh, I messaged him, and uh, then one day, like a few months later, he sent me just 10 tracks of drums, and uh, I was like, you can do whatever you want with them. That's like a dream come true. <laughs> it was one of the coolest like writing experiences because I'm used to doing starting with you know stuff that I've written or someone else has written I'm like a melodic instrument mm-hmm. so starting with drums was just there's so much freedom to do whatever I want yeah um, also his drums are amazing so I wanted it to be something really good so I, I spent a lot of time like uh, on each song just trying to figure out what to do best now um you know unless this is like uh giving up the secret recipe or whatever how did you approach that did you did you just keep keep playing and playing until you till you got something or were you recording little bits and then listening back later like what was your approach to that um so i'd find one of the songs like find a drum track that like piece my interest and kind of just like improvise over it over and over uh, until I figured out something that sounded really good over it and uh, I just kept building off of that. And were you like, I'm assuming you were just like, once you got to a point, you were just like laying stuff down into the doll, like and just being like, I'll record that properly later? Or were you just like trying to straight up write the whole song before you bothered with that? Oh, I would write the whole song before recording. Um, well, I meant, I think, I meant like, did you, dem- did you demo them like first or did you just write it and then you're like, fine, I'll record it? No, I, I just like spent time on each track and wrote it and record it immediately because there's some parts that are like slightly improvised. So it's like I had a general idea of what I wanted and just wanted to make sure it didn't disappear and just went for it. Yeah. Um, Because there's been times with other things where I do something really cool and then hold on to it and try it again later and either I forget or it just doesn't have the same flair as it did before. Yeah. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's like such a, that's such a weird, like, I've watched all kinds of, like, uh, videos and stuff that, that talk about, um, like, I've watched, like, recording videos and stuff where they talk about, uh, uh, like, is it in the hands, you know, or whatever, like, is it, is it the drummer, or is it the part, or is it the gear, you know, or is it whatever, and where they'll have, they'll have several people play, the same thing and they'll and you'll be like see 
how different it is from one person to the next. And it's like, yeah, it, it's really weird. Like sometimes it's like not different, but then just in my own personal experience, and like there was, you know, there was one, there was a song at the very beginning of Coma Regalia that I, that I was like, okay, I'm going to record these two songs for this split. And then I'm going to go back and I'm going to record the two songs again to a click. And I did that and I could I cannot stand listening to those songs played to the click. And it's like <laughs> they they are like technically they're like perfect versions of the songs, you know what I mean? But I was just mm-hmm. like, "Oh, it feels so it feels gross. Like it feels just like so clinical or sterile or whatever, you know, I don't, I don't know. And I mean, I've played other songs to clicks, like different projects I've done to clicks and stuff. And it's like, it, I don't know, maybe it was just like those songs. Maybe it's the fact that I, I had these other versions to compare them to and reflect on, you know, it's like how you were well, I saying. I think it's just like, because it's like you and you know how the songs are supposed to be. Like, yeah. you know how it should feel at the same time. Yeah. Feel, and feel. yeah, using a click yeah. just like makes it so, uh, it, it's weird like having something so just perfect when, uh, I don't know, it just yeah. doesn't feel as intense. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's like, and it's one of those things too, where it's like, like I've recorded like two guitars where it's just like, I'm recording drums to guitars and there's a click and that's that's it and it's like i totally i totally get that and it's like mm-hmm. i i can just go for that and that's fine and that and that's like there's a weird reassuring like feeling or whatever but when it's like something that i've done which is like you know maybe it's just i'm writing this song and it's it's a little messy or it's a little there's a part where it's just like i really just want this to last like a little bit longer than it should you know or or whatever and then you try to just like make it fit in these brackets and like you said the feeling is off i don't know yeah that's i think that relates to what you're saying where you're like i gotta i gotta get this i gotta get this down now before they're you know because like i don't know if you've ever done this but like there's even been times where it's like you're playing something and you're not thinking about it like at all. Like it might be like some arpeggio type stuff. I think that's the right word. Just sound trying to sound smart, but uh, like <laughs> you, you uh, so you're like picking out all these notes and you're not thinking about it. Your your right hand is just doing it. And your other hand is just maybe not moving that much or whatever. But you're just going for it, right? And then you start to think which one of these strings am I hitting exactly when? Because you're, like, going to record it or something. And then, like, you're like, that doesn't sound the same, you know? Like, because mm-hmm. you might actually be doing something wrong or you might just be, you might be overthinking it and you lose this, like, lack, like, this, like, lackadaisical, like, flair or whatever you had, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. It's so much to, like... Yeah music that you can overthink it's like especially yeah. drums like mm-hmm. i mean like tom schlatter said it a long time ago and it's like it was something that's like i've always known it but no one 
ever said it or I didn't hear it, you know? Uh, but he said, like, he thinks that the, the biggest component to playing drums, or, or one of them, I mean to misquote if I'm misquoting, but was confidence. And it's like, mm-hmm. absolutely. Like, if you go behind a drum yeah. set and you're like, I don't know what I'm doing, then you not, you're not going to, like... But if you go back, like, you... Oh, yeah, I already know this song. Like, you never heard the song before in your life, but you just, like, go back there with that kind of confidence, then, like, you're probably going to do all right, you know? And it's like, it's just that not thinking about it and just like going for it. That's, I don't know. Yeah, trusting in muscle memory rather than your brain is like, I don't know how I kind of try to go around things. Because, yeah, when I'm playing guitar and I like think about what I'm doing sometimes, I just like end up fumbling around and messing myself up. Yeah, you make it more complicated than it has to be or something mm-hmm. you know? it's like yeah i don't know yeah it's like i you know i could i could just like sit and talk about like just it not even like music theory but just like internal theories about like why you know music works um why playing music works why you know just there, there's so much mm-hmm. to it it's it's ridiculous um yeah um so i mean you um had just you had just released that um and uh did you also just release a split with peak on Ap- apostle virus uh, or was that next month we're releasing it oh, okay so by the time this goes up people will have only a couple <laughs> couple weeks to uh to wait um and they can check that out yeah because um you know i i uh i made those things for y'all a while back and i was like i try to keep up with everything like some people it's harder to keep up with they have like a whole lot of output you know or whatever you're definitely one of those people but like i was (laughs) like i don't think i missed this you know um but i thought maybe i did uh so yeah that's that's gonna be really cool um I'm assuming that all the songs are done already? Yeah, the whole thing's mixed and mastered. It's at the pressing plant right now. Okay, what is it? Uh, it's a split 12-inch. Oh, okay. And um, we both... Uh, I, I guess it's going to be tapes, too. So originally, we both were going to do an EP and then decided, let's just do a split 12-inch because it's an all fit. Um, but we're going to do EP individually. Yeah. Um, so we're still going to do both sides. We have our own individual artwork. And uh, I think maybe the inserts we're going to have uh, one of each or something. Um, but then the tape versions are just going to read each side separately, I believe. Right. So, like, mm-hmm. it's like a it's a true, like, split seven-inch version, like, with, like, each band's artwork and their name on that side and then and then you know vice versa mm-hmm. yeah that's really cool i was i was like that but um at the same time i i just want every you know when i do a project with another band i just they're like w- the way they want things to go is more important to me than um my ideas because i 
I've had a lot of, you know, I've had a lot of opportunities to explore my own ideas in different ways, you know, and sometimes like we'll do something with a band that's not had, you know, a bunch of releases. So it's like really cool for me to just be like, just make it how you want it, you know, and then when people are stoked, mm -hmm. then you're stoked, you know, I mean, but yeah, I love that. Like, I love that old, like, you know, mid nineties, like punk seven inch, like when one side is like, um, like a cartoon drawing and the other side is like a burned down building, you know, <laughs> like yeah. these, these weird, <laughs> weird uh, vibes like that, you know, but, uh, yeah. Um, well, um, I mean, you know, it's it's been great talking to you. Um, is there anything else that you wanted to chat about? Is there anything else that you want to, like, get out there before we uh, take off here? Um, not that I can really think of. Okay. Uh, our future has a, our future is an absolute terror. Also has or absolute shadow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you just changed uh, the name have... of the band. That's legally binding now. It's on. <laughs> <laughs> we have a split seven inch coming out next, uh, in December with uh, Kamara from the UK. Yeah, that's gonna be sick. I've heard. Uh, I've heard the Kamara tracks. They're really good. Yeah, they're great. Yeah, I actually. Yeah, I'm really excited. Just so no one gets in trouble. Or anything. I actually heard them before they were going to be a split, I think. So it wasn't. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I'm pretty sure. Um, <laughs> I, heard, I heard them quite a quite a while ago. But uh, yeah, because um, Plague, Plague Walker was supposed to tour with them. Um, and, oh, okay. Uh, yeah. And I was um, I was actually going to um, play bass for Komarov on that tour. So. Oh, wow. Yeah, that would have been so much fun. And they get to play bass and then play drums in a different set. Like, that would have been great. <laughs> uh, you know, may, maybe next time. Um, but, yeah, that sounds awesome. And, um, yeah, and everybody uh, should go listen to uh, the Our Future is an Absolute Shadow um, uh, thing that y'all put out already. And everybody should go listen to the Komarov track that is on... Um, Sorted States Volume 3 because that I believe is from the 7 inch um, that will mm -hmm. be coming and uh, the track rips. <laughs> And that was my conversation with Jesse Mowry. Thanks so much, Jesse, for taking the time to chat with me. Until next time, take care and do good things. <laughs>